0: Grab a cuppa and take a seat. This is the Disability Podcast.
1: Hi everyone, Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Disability Podcast. And today is a very special episode because we are having one of our own, Bethany, talk about her past and experience with anxiety and depression. So um, thank you, Bethany, for sharing your story today.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I feel really nervous, but I know you guys will be nice, so it'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't be nervous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'll start off with the first question, Bethany. Um, So when did you realize you kind of, either you were diagnosed with anxiety or depression, or when did you start feeling um, that maybe this was something that you
0: had? Um so I was diagnosed with the anxiety first but for me they kind of link hand in hand and when my anxiety kind of starts that's when my depression will like slowly creep up and then often the depression will like overtake the anxiety um so I wasn't diagnosed officially by GP until I want to say it might have been my last year of uni the first time so back in 2015 And I basically said and went and said I was struggling with certain things. And I think when you're an anxious person, you kind of don't realise what you're struggling with is not a normal way to necessarily be thinking. Um, I just thought that's like obviously how everyone thinks and everyone over worries and just like imagines really bad scenarios and things like that. And it wasn't until I've spoken to more people that, I realised that wasn't necessarily... Like, people don't have those thoughts. And it's something you have when you have that anxiety. Um, The depression, I feel like I've never been officially diagnosed. Um, Although over the lockdown period, it's got a lot worse. And with both of them, I'd say I've kind of had them since, as long as I can remember, really. But when I was younger, I never really understood what they were. But almost like I know often we speak about like diagnosis processes and things on here. Having that like label was actually really helpful for me because I've been able to kind of like understand it more and understand how my brain works and how to kind of like process things in a sense.
1: Mm, and, and now you said like younger kind of with diagnosis and stuff like that. It, it Did you feel like when you were growing up, not in uni that you kind of started developing symptoms of anxiety and depression or was it only until uni that you felt wow I I'm, I'm really kind of there's something going on
0: yeah um I'd say probably from a really young age I would always be like that really worried child and I would like say if there was like a presentation at school like even if you know when you had like show and tell days and you'd bring something in I'd get really worried at like people paying too much attention to me and like really random things and I would always worry like, what if like my family died in a car crash or like really random things like that. Um but I think definitely when I went to uni I kind of understood it more. Um Mm -hmm. and I kind of like got more involved in that process and I think I learned a lot more myself, like about myself. Mm -hmm. So I kind of began to understand it. And I think really it's the first time I spoke to people who had like similar kind of experiences? Because up until that point, I feel like it was quite like a taboo, a taboo subject and was kind of off limits in a sense.
2: Yeah, actually, I was thinking there, I just thought it was interesting, even like what you said there so far. I've, I think, officially never looked for diagnosis on either anxiety or depression, but I think I've especially grown up kind of feeling like, sure is everyone not anxious and depressed i mean i don't mean like all Mm -hmm. the time but i mean like i always thought growing up that it was like not as clear cut as like you know i don't know having some other condition which is you either have it or you don't you know i Mm. felt like it was more of a fluidity about how your mental state could be or whatever and i suppose that's the most interesting thing i find there was when you were saying that moment of thinking everybody else doesn't think like this like, do you actually mm-hmm. think there are people out there who just don't really get much anxiety or feelings that... I mean, because I've thought about that loads. I've kind of thought, like, how amazing would it be to, to <laughs> like, it'd be like a superpower? Like, yeah. I think I do have a lot of friends as well who sort of seem to most I would say most live in that middle period or something, middle bit, where they might not be particularly up or down at any time but they just sort of get on with things and I've never really thought about that until you were talking about it there like do you think is the default that we shouldn't feel kind of anxious worried or oversensitive because I I think that's more where sorry I'm just waffling here but I think it's more where I always think about is it's like there's this idea that people are oversensitive yeah or they're not I
0: feel like um They always talk a lot about how like back in the stone age or whatever and people were really anxious from that period because they were anxious for their own survival and their own kind Mm -hmm. of like looking after themselves which there is a lot of truth in that so I think it is kind of actually normal to be anxious but I think it's the level to which you are anxious and also like how you manage that anxiety and
2: yeah if it
0: like then sort of manifests in other ways like how I sort of mentioned like my anxiety can often trigger like my depression and they kind of go together and then that's when I know it's not good but yeah. there are definitely circumstances where I think anxiety is good like but it's a weird one really
1: yeah, I think, like, definitely back in the Stone Age or whatever, you were allowed to, when you're stressed, you could run it off or, you know, you would go back home and it would be a little bit peaceful, I would say. Like, there there were systems in place to use your anxiety to, to help you survive, right? And I feel like the this day and age, you get anxious and then you sit in your car and you don't really do anything or you, you mm. eat to, like, kind of you know feel better or comfort yourself and that can lead to you know a lot of health problems as well so I feel like it's hard because we have these kind of pre-programmed like caveman feelings and emotions and it doesn't really equate to the modern world in terms of being able to help that and 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 we have these huge stressors as well, the same as the caveman, you know, they did about survival and jobs and stuff like that. But when you have this chronic stress that I feel like anxiety and depression can be, where it's just kind of underlying and maybe one day you wake up and it's it's okay, but it's still kind of there. I think that's, you know, something today we need to address and especially to the stigma of, of mental mm. health and yeah. You know, cavemen are just like, listen, I got to eat and whatever it <laughs> takes <laughs> is fine. But it's like now it's like, but you, you have a home and you're fed. So like, what's the issue? Why are you stressed? And I think that's that stigma is is really hard. You know, yeah, how do you definitely. feel that? You feel that, Bethany?
0: Yeah, like it's kind of how people often say, like some of the happiest people who seem to have everything and then you find out they're like really depressed. I always think about like Robin Williams and Mm. how he gave off this like really happy persona but obviously it was kind of all for show and like sometimes the happiest people are the ones who are kind of like struggling the most but then they feel that they can't then necessarily maybe get that support or that kind of like help when they need it in a sense Um, Mm. and I definitely think there's a lot of shame around it like I know a few years ago I probably wouldn't have been as open talking about my experiences but I think through speaking about them and learning more about how I personally think of things has really like helped me and I think it's always really important to me to speak to people because I think when you stop speaking that's when it's really difficult because with like anxiety and depression you kind of isolate yourself quite a lot anyway and you always think oh no does that person like me have I been too much have I Mm. all these different things in your head constantly but I know it's good to speak about how I'm feeling even if it's not necessarily what people sometimes want to hear it kind of reminds me of like when people say oh how are you and I saw a TikTok about this the other day actually about someone being like, people coming up to you and being like, are you okay? And it's quite a British thing, I think, to be like, are you all right? And then you're like, yeah, I'm fine. But in Mm. reality, you're not fine, but you just don't want to actually say how you're feeling. And I think it's really like, I don't know if brave is the right word, but it's good to sometimes be like, oh, no, I've actually had a really bad day. But you know what? That's okay. Like Because no one's ever going to be 100% all the time. And I think... The more people sort of say that, then it's better. It's like that half asked, How are you? Like, we don't actually care how you are, but yeah. how are you?
2: <laughs> I, I used to work um, in a tea shop in London with a lot of people from all around Europe. And uh, they would always be far more, you know, polite and cheery, you know, whenever I would go in, say hello. And they'd be like, How are you? And then I'd always say, uh, Not so bad. And they thought this was hilarious because they were like, who says that? <laughs> not too bad, not too bad, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it is, that is a funny one. I mean, I was, I've always thought of that as like, you're asking me a question, i give you a literal answer. You know, in the old days when Facebook used to say, you know, what's on your mind, I always thought you were supposed to type what was on your mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and really, you're really not supposed to do that. So maybe maybe that comes, comes kind of hand in hand with it, that actually if you're somebody kind of coping better in the world, I suppose you don't feel the need to let the truth out or something i don't know maybe maybe not let the truth out it's not the right term but it was sort of making me think what i was meandering trying to talk about before that sometimes i wonder with our with our heads and how we feel and stuff it makes me think of when i talked about the diabetes all those episodes back where i'm trying to walk this little fine line that everyone else is doing automatically and then most of the time what happens is I'll end up going really, really high and then to try to fix that, then I go really, really low and Mm -hmm. I spend very little time in the middle and then I'm looking at all these people around me who have very, you know, I'm going to say, you know, in a cliched way, more regular lives, you know, maybe have very regular safe jobs, standard kind of ideas of family and stuff and maybe in my experience, maybe I've had some moments where I've done Extra out there things that they might never experience, but I've also probably endured an awful lot of the <laughs> the downside that they probably haven't had because their life has a bit more of a, a normal pathway on it. But I mean, Bethany, do you think that there's any chance that there's something in that where the anxiety potentially can come from a lot of environmental things as well as maybe just what's naturally there? Because I suppose I'm thinking because we're all working in kind of arts and stuff, you mm-hmm. know. It's not a very safe environment to try to have a really tough sort of mental side. I mean, I mean, some people do it, but.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I feel like I've chosen the wrong (laughs) wrong sector in like many ways sometimes because I really like, I think I like control and I like knowing when things are going to happen and I like sort of planning things out, I think to, in a sense, reduce the anxiety I might feel And Mm. to have, like, a real kind of idea of what I'm going to be getting up to. So, obviously, like, this pandemic has been a bit of a nightmare. And I think it's kind of made my anxiety and depression the worst it's ever been. Because you don't have that sense of control and that sense of, like, knowing when things will take place in a usual way. So, Mm -hmm. being in the arts is quite a difficult thing. Because, obviously, a lot of things are freelance and really uncertain. And I don't do well with uncertainty. So yeah it's not I'm trying to work on it I'm trying to look at it like change is good but when I was younger actually I remember this um I'll tell a little story for you guys basically (laughs) we've we've got a conservatory and um I remember I think I'd gone out with my friends or something my parents had decided to completely change the layout of the conservatory and I literally had a meltdown I was like why have you done this like and I started crying so much so they bless their hearts Completely changed it back to how it was because I was just like, I can't cope with all the changes you've done. Like, and it was such a random thing to get stressed about, but I was like, Why have you done this? Like, it really threw me off. So, like, the change in the uncertainty is a massive thing, in particular for my anxiety, because I just worry about all the like what ifs, and it's never usually as bad as I anticipate it being. But you can't, like, when you're in an anxious state, you can't really tell yourself that because, in a sense, you don't really believe what you're, like, telling yourself, which is difficult. But when you're thinking in a more kind of, like, quote-unquote rational way, you're like, well, obviously, that'll be fine. But you can't see that when you're in it.
2: Do you have any kind of um, techniques or ways that you would maybe uh kind of usually try to deal with it if either there's a period of anxiety or a period of depression are there are there any kind of mechanisms or things where you feel like you can ease the situation in any kind of way
0: yes um so when things were getting really bad um kind of at the end of last year I reached out to my doctors and they were actually really helpful which I was surprised with because previously they've not been that great in terms of like mental health support um but they referred me to mind and I've actually taken up doing tai chi and Uh, doing meditation as well and honestly it sounds really like I don't know kind of a bit i don't know what the right word is but Hocus honestly Hocus. yeah like tai chi it's changed my life like honestly yeah i just i've never felt so calm and so like you are almost zone back into your body when you're anxious you're like never really like that in that kind of state but it just mm. re-centers like everything and i don't stress about things and i'm literally just focused on doing those movements and being kind of like involved and doing it the best i can kind of thing um and similarly with the meditation, that's really helped as well. I've been doing that a lot before going to sleep because one of the big things for me at the moment is like I have insomnia really badly. So I'll often be up till like three, four in the morning just because I can't sleep, even though like I really want to. And obviously sleep mm. like cures a lot of things, yeah. but it's just not possible. So I've tried doing the meditation for that and I have in the past, like journaled and written down certain feelings Mm. to like try and get things out. And also sometimes exercising like in general really helps just Mm. to sort of take your mind and get like, like it's really physical for me, the anxiety. Sometimes like I get really bad heart palpitations and like I'll shake and I get like pins and needles and things like that. So like doing something really physical to like almost get it out of my body is quite helpful at times as well and also like I said before just like talking about it is sometimes really nice like I've got quite a few friends that are kind of similar to me and we can talk about things quite openly which I think really helps because if I didn't have that I think I would kind of be more worried about myself in a sense
1: yeah I completely agree with you on on exercise and movement like in the beginning of kind of my anxiety and depression journey if you will it's is I didn't want to move or get up and I thought well you know that well that's stupid like why 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 like <laughs> do I have to go and move but I think you know I, I think what you said was really poignant is that it is a it's definitely like a physical thing you can feel it you can feel where your anxiety is in your body and being able to like kind of look in and be able to, access that and kind of take it out in a sense is so important and like yeah it sounds hooey but like incorporating like eastern medicine into Mm. western medicine i think so Mm. important not saying i'm one of those like essential oils Mm. cures everything kind of thing but it's so it's so important to be able to do things that you know quiet your mind and i Mm. think that's so great and um I found too that like yoga also really helps Mm. Um, and not being so like hard on yourself and your body in a way. Cause it's like, some people are like, okay, well I have to work out all the time or drink all these juices or take Mm. all these, you know, supplements to help my anxiety. But it's like, it's definitely your own, your your own personal journey and like Mm. finding things that work for you. I thought it was, you know, riding you know a a bike for five hours a day and that would help but it doesn't (laughs) not for me at least um so I think that's so great so when you for you Bethany do you do you do those things every day or is it something that you feel like is kind of like a band-aid you put over like when you're having those feelings like how do you incorporate these routines in your day or is it something that you do as like a you know like to combat it as it's happening
0: yeah, so I I do the tai chi as a class like mm-hmm. once a week, but I think I might start doing it more on YouTube. And I also do yoga like you as well. I find that quite like calming. I do the meditation every night before I go to sleep. Um and the journaling I kind of like do it if and when I want to. I'm really bad at journaling which like is ironic because then it feeds into my anxiety. It's kind of how you were saying about exercise, like you know it's great for you and you want to do it, but half the time when you're like anxious and depressed, you're like, oh, I just can't be bothered right now. And then mm. you kind of put it off, even though you know it's actually going to help you. So I sometimes, I've always kind of pushed myself to do things because I know the end result will be positive. But I think getting yourself to a stage where you can do that is sometimes hard cuz you have to get that motivation and almost have that want to try and do it in a sense mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's hard and especially people starting out with depression and anxiety it's like you know you kind of feel the the black void and it's like why why drag me out of bed to like go on a walk kind of thing so mm-hmm. do you have any advice for people to start their kind of routines like a first kind of step for people wanting to kind of have an arsenal of things for it to take care of themselves
0: yeah I feel like it's quite useful almost to have like an imaginary box in your mind and you're like these are the things I can use if it's getting really bad or if I just need like a break um so like the meditation is a really easy thing to do there's like lots of different things on YouTube and there's a series on Netflix actually which is quite good all about it it's all like beginners and you can get into it like that I think there's lots of kind of like Tai Chi stuff you can do on YouTube as well and obviously how I said before like Mind have been really helpful for me they do like loads of different classes but I only really do the Tai Chi one but they have like talking therapies and all different things so I think if you're like looking into it maybe just start with one thing and almost like focus on that one thing and if you achieve it then great and if you don't then it's also fine but like I almost tell myself like every day is a new day so if you didn't do what you wanted to do yesterday or the day after kind of thing like today's a new day so you can try and do it but almost mm-hmm. like i always have a list as well every day like i'm really kind of pedantic <laughs> i make a list of what i want to try and do that day and then i think like if i don't complete it oh it's fine even though i usually like beat myself up because i'm like why have i not done everything Um, But like having that list in front of me, like that really like visual thing really helps me, I think, because I kind Mm. of like learn in a visual sense. So I'm like, right, this is what we've got to do. And also that kind of sense of control I was talking about, like I almost like plan out what I'm going to do and try to do it.
1: Mm. And so, you know, you have these arsenal of things that you kind of pick upon when you need them. Have you tried therapy or something that kind of is another step into your kind of help with anxiety and depression and how did that go?
0: Yeah, so um, at uni the first time back in 2015, um, I saw a lady, it was kind of like counselling, but it wasn't counselling at the same time. She was like mm. teaching me ways to manage things and like how to arrange things. And she actually did a bit of meditation. And then when we did our postgrad, I saw a guy and it was more counselling in a sense. Um, and I would literally just go and talk about my week and any problems I'd been having. And it kind of helped me put certain things into perspective a bit more, um, Mm -hmm. which was really helpful. And also just speaking to someone who isn't involved in the situation, doesn't really know me as a person, but I feel like I can sort of share certain deep thoughts with, um, that was really helpful. I mean, if I was rich, I'd probably have a therapist like 24 seven, but obviously with the NHS and stuff, it's quite difficult to be referred. And that's one good thing, actually, I think about universities is my experience with Winchester and Goldsmiths. They were both really good on mental health and also like in terms of my dyslexia and dyspraxia, they were really on it. And I think that massively helped my time when I was there. If I hadn't have had that support in place, I think I would have really struggled. Um, So big up to them. But um. Mm-hmm. More recently, I've started taking, I can never pronounce it. I can't even spell it. I mean, dyslexia. Um, Sertraline, (laughs) I I think that's how you say it. Um, And I found that's actually really helped me. Um, I don't take a massively strong dose. Um, It's basically, it's a medication used for anxiety and depression, mainly sometimes PTSD as well um so I just take like a tablet a day and it does help although I I see all these I know I've mentioned TikTok before but I see all these things about people saying about it on there and a lot of people don't have a positive experience with it and I think for a long time I was really not against medication but I think there's a lot of stigma around if you take medication for like anxiety or depression or anything so I normally I would have just got on with it and I think in the past like pre-pandemic life I would always like have things to look forward to and I'd always like that planning aspect I'd plan like nice holidays and things like that and if I was feeling more down and depressed like I'd think oh I've still got that though like that's still there for me but now like I don't really have that so I think it's almost a bit more like there's less hope and there's less kind of like exciting things to like distract myself with I think I distract myself a lot which probably isn't the most healthy of ways to do things but I think it's how I kind of cope with certain things so I think like having the medication this time around has definitely helped me feel more kind of like balanced in a sense kind of how you were saying earlier Steve about like being really up and then really down like I'm very much like that I'll be like really happy one minute and then I'll be like sobbing the next minute and it's kind of like trying to find that like in a like levelness in a sense
2: yeah well it's funny when you said there about looking for distractions I think over the last forever <laughs> I think I probably felt like is that not w- what we're all doing on this planet we're trying to look yeah. for distractions to take us away from the realities that sometimes hurt but maybe I mean maybe like I was asking at the start maybe some people don't feel like they don't need distracted or maybe they're being distracted by their apparent to me more normal life um maybe that is the distraction from them getting to a place where they overthink the things that can sometimes lead to more negative thoughts I don't know but I mean I just find it really interesting because I kind of feel like I don't know I was actually gonna ask you is that like do you feel like you've always felt like it's been positive experience when you've either talked to somebody or looked for help with regards this because i suppose the only time ever i felt like i put my hand up and said to a doctor look i don't think i feel so good in my head i think i need to talk to somebody i had a really not great experience of it to be honest with you and it Mm -hmm. sort of put me off forever yeah so i mean i suppose in a way i'm being very selfish with this episode i'm probably trying to (laughs) talk myself into going back and starting again and not having any hang-ups about it but i mean did you kind of feel like from the get-go that when you finally sought help that that it was there and, and you could feel like it, it worked or did you have any kind of negative experiences with i trying think
0: to... yeah i kind of had both in a sense i've had mm. really negative um things happen but i've also had more positive things and i think i tried i'd probably just block out the negative things because mm. i'm just like i can't yeah. deal with it um <laughs> But I once was on the phone to a doctor, it wasn't my doctor, and I mentioned, I think it was at the start of my anxiety getting a lot worse, and I mentioned, like, I'm feeling awful, and, like, mm. I-, I was trying to reach out for the help, and then she laughed at me, and I was just like, what mm. are you, do? you don't laugh yeah. when someone says they're really struggling, like, yeah. and then when I spoke to my actual doctor, she said there should be no shame around it, because if you've broken your leg, you would get your leg fixed. Yeah. If your brain isn't working the way it should be working, then you should seek help for it because I know it's really easy to say that, but like, I feel there's massive shame around asking for that help. And there really shouldn't be. Um, and there's such stigma as well. And I think I took a long time to reach out and get the help I needed but mm. now i've done it i do feel so much better for it and i think i'm still learning about it every single day and something i think i've come to terms with is i'm always going to be an anxious person with like mm. having that tendency to become depressed but like i think that's okay because that's just how i think like how my dyslexia is a part of me like it's kind of a similar thing that it's never going to go away if I can kind of manage and understand it more then that's a really positive thing in a sense but I've definitely had like negative and positive experiences
2: yeah it's really interesting because so much of what you've said I feel like makes sense to me and I think like like what it said at the start that I, I think I always was trying to explain away your your kind of feelings but yeah kind of not acknowledging what you just said there where it's almost like you have to think just like a broken leg or something like that, that this part of me just isn't working quite the way it's maybe supposed to. And that's all right. And now let's see what we can do with that. Whereas I'm probably always thinking if somebody isn't feeling right, it, there's, there's like this linear reason why, you know, like, cause this thing went wrong and then that didn't happen. And then, you know, I'm thinking that anybody could be in that scenario. It doesn't have to just be, you no, know, this is the way that you are. And, therefore you are more likely to feel like this you know
0: yeah exactly like i feel like mental health never kind of like it doesn't matter who you are it can always affect you like Hmm. there's no rules of who it can affect at all yeah completely
1: agree steve i'm gonna steal your question this time (laughs) (laughs) so have you felt that like it's anxiety and depression are accurately portrayed in the media do you have any good examples of how you feel that mental health has been portrayed i know there are many um kind of controversial shows like 13 reasons why and and mm-hmm. f- you know um and a few other ones that have been it kind of looks kind of glamorizes and romanticizes mm. mental health and mental health issues, especially with teenagers somehow, yeah. you know, people love that when teenagers are really depressed and whatever. Mm. So, yeah. so like, so like, how, how do you feel that it's been portrayed?
0: Um, I think it's a real mix. One show I think that looks at depression in a really like kind of true portrayal is Happy Valley um, with Sarah Lancashire in the main role. And I think that's probably because she's suffered with depression in her own life. And you can really, like, you understand how she's portraying it because you're like, that's what it is. Like, if someone doesn't really understand depression, I'm always like, watch that and you'll kind of really get it. And it just, like, hits in a different way. Mm -hmm. But I do think a lot of shows do, like, glamorize having depression anxiety and and they just like then assume like throw pills at it and think oh well this will solve your problem and it it kind of doesn't help the initial issue of it all and it just makes it seem really like cheery when you're like no that's Mm. not what it's like at all
2: Mm. have you seen the channel for show flowers by any chance with julian bart oh
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: like i i felt like and again, I hate, hate doing spoilers, so I'm not really going to talk about what actually happens to the program. But I felt like, I mean, I enjoyed that program on so many levels and different ways, but I felt like I definitely strongly identified with a lot of kind of the main themes going on in it. But um, it's, I think like what you said is really funny because even when I think about when I was a kid, so many kind of teen shows were about, you know, I suppose it was the 90s. So there was lots of like miserable teens and quite an awful lot of kind of suicide in general depression mm-hmm. and lots of that kind of stuff but I felt like back then it was very cliched and it almost became like we said in a lot of these episodes a sort of archetypal thing very yeah. cliched role or whatever so I, I think I've, i that was part of that that program that I think I enj- enjoyed the fact that I just thought something really got to the guts of the thing in a, in a very direct and real way but Yeah, I mean, is there anything that you've seen of recent that just has just horrified you for how terribly bad they've got it? Not really. That's good. I am
0: kind of always drawn to shows that talk about it, though, because I'm always like, oh, what are they going to say? Because kind of how you were saying, they sometimes are really stereotypical with how they portray things and, like, the different symptoms of depression and anxiety, like... I'm still learning new symptoms that I didn't realise were related to that because they're not discussed as openly because they're not as common. And sometimes I think it would be helpful if shows showed that more kind of unknown side. Like, for example, like there are five different sort of main types of depression. And I've actually been more recently looking into um, premenstrual, I can never pronounce it, dysphagia disorder so it's p-m-d-d like because I definitely think I have that and I've never really heard of it until recently and also like seasonal affective disorder sad I have that as well Mm -hmm. like in winter like it's the darkest time like outside and also like mentally in a sense to me because I'm like I really lack that sunlight and that kind of i don't know everything just feels a lot less like hopeful when it's so dark and you're feeling that way anyway
2: i've definitely wondered that with the uk you kind of think like (laughs) surely everyone must be suffering from this like he can be positive when it's so bloody miserable all the time
1: (laughs) exactly
0: so i think in a sense i'd love to see those like more unusual things be portrayed in the media because Mm. it's only through my own research in a way and like seeing like following different accounts on Instagram and things like that, where people speak about their own experiences. I'm like, oh, that sounds really familiar, but I would have never put those two things together at all. So like learning about them has been so useful because I'm like, well, maybe that's actually what a lot of these issues stem from. And I'm like, oh, and things start to make more sense. And I'm like, oh, I see.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a lot in medical literature or jargon or whatever it seems like there's these clear definitions of what you have like you have depression here are the symptoms but Mm. like what you said the amount of overlap is crazy and and the amount of you know this symptom could be this symptom from this diagnosis and I remember you know Emily kind of touching on that with her Mm. with her bipolar of like you know she thought she was depressed or she thought you know all of this and had depression and She could have that and also you know bipolar so like I got diagnosed with PMDD as as well and it's like I didn't realize that that was kind of the same overlap diagnosis with PCOS Mm. and then I think you know education in terms of like human studies not so much like medical studies in the sense of like watching TikTok or watching Instagram. I mean, not to say, like, please go to your doctor. Don't just (laughs) be like, you know, I have, you know, something wrong with my prostate, right? When I don't have one. Um, But I think it's so great to like, learn from other people and be like, okay, maybe, maybe there is something wrong with me that I didn't even know. And I don't know, do you feel like there's a lot of gatekeeping within... The health community of not wanting the public to know about their own bodies or do you feel like it's something that people should do and take accountability of their own health like how do you feel about that
0: I definitely think there should be more kind of education in general of like mental health and understanding things like I feel like they should teach things in school I think they are in some schools now because I have a few friends who are a bit younger But like it should be on the curriculum and people should learn to understand it from an early age because it obviously impacts everything you go through. Like it impacts your career, like relationships with people, so many different things. And you should understand your own body as well. Like I feel often doctors don't really tell you the full extent of things and Mm. that's almost damaging in a sense because then you might go and do your own research, but I'm like often prone to a Google search and then you end up scaring yourself because mm. you're just like, oh God, what is this? Or it like, will be like, you've got cancer. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> and obviously with my anxiety, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like maybe I have cancer. And I start like thinking, I've got that symptom. I've definitely got cancer, even though I haven't. Mm. But like, it's really hard to know that you have an sense. So I think having that education early on would really help a lot of people and I think it can only improve as time goes on because I know when I was younger you wouldn't even talk about it so like at least people are discussing it more now and being more open with their own experiences which I think that's like a massive help to a lot of people Yeah,
2: I'm gonna do my usual but I'm gonna kind of change it a little bit because I realized I don't kind of want to be too morbid, but obviously if I I do my usual and say, can you tell me any celebrities who've had depression, you know, it's it's going to be probably quite a, a, a lot that pop into people's heads, but I'm going to spin it a little bit. So I was going to say, are you aware of anybody in kind of celeb circles who suffer from either depression or anxiety, but are, you know, still with us and active and having, you know, full lives?
0: I feel like there's so many And also, I feel like there's a few that, like, haven't really said about it, in a sense. Um, Mm. Depression-wise, I always do think of Robin Williams as, like, Mm. number one in my mind. Um, I think Oprah Winfrey has quite bad anxiety, actually. She's someone that, I think she's spoken about it in the past. Um, I feel like, in a way, without sounding really bad, like, it's kind of almost more... Common to like have yeah. anxiety and depression now, um, it wouldn't be
2: noted as being, you know, like, yeah, a label because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course they do, you know, it's almost yeah,
0: like, exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kristen Bell, um, has always spoken about her depression and anxiety, and she's like right. someone I really kind of like look up to and stuff because she's said in interviews that she's not ever had shame around it because her mum like took her to a psychologist I think when she was really young and she was like this is what we should do and she like put her on the path really early on and she's really open about her experiences and I think she's taken medication for an extremely long time but it works for her like I think that's something that's really important to get across is you need to find what works for you and it might Mm. be really difficult to get to that stage but you will get there eventually and there are a lot of people out there who will be willing to support you even if at first you have, like, a negative experience potentially. Like, there are a lot of people out there who will support you. Yeah. But I can't think of any other celebrities. I feel like there's so many.
1: <laughs> yeah, the actors are not the. No.
0: <laughs> the <most difficult> <laughs> <either>. <laughs> maybe I should act. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: maybe it does say something a bit like what we were saying about those just kind of cliches of of how, um, somebody suffering from depression would have been shown before and now maybe it, it there is a bit more understanding and therefore it's not as much of a you know, wear it like a badge, I've got depression. Cause it's kind of understood that, that that's quite a common thing. And I suppose, especially in a lot of roles that would be celebrity positions it's gonna be things like actors and musicians and people that are, you know, whether they're performing roles or, or burning themselves out.
0: Yeah, when you're on stage and like doing things like that, obviously you get that sense of anxiety before. But ironically, when I've done stuff um, with my ukulele group, I never get nervous. Mm it's really weird how it works like my anxiety comes in the most peculiar times because times you think it would actually almost be useful to be like oh my god I like don't have that sense and then you're a bit like but why am I not being worried when other people around me are and you're like oh I don't know (laughs) it's a bit of a weird one yeah
1: (laughs) do you feel that there's kind of we talked about kind of romanticizing and like kind of cliches, but do you feel like there's now it's trendy to have a mental Mm. illness? Do you feel Mm. like there's a lot of um, issues surrounding the people who actually need help being, you know, ostracized and look down upon because, oh, well, everyone has it, you know? Mm. Um, How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah. I think that's really difficult, especially like how sometimes people are just like, oh, I'm really depressed or I'm feeling really anxious. And I'm just sat there and I'm like you really don't actually understand what that feels like and Mm. the way people just use that language and they're just like oh yeah things are really bad and all this and I'm just like Mm. it's like the way they say it as well you know that they've not ever really experienced the true feelings of it and I think it is more common to be like it's almost like a popular thing in a way and you're just like it, nobody wants to be anxious and depressed. Like, n- yeah. nobody wants that. So, it shouldn't be kind of seen in that way. But I definitely feel like it is, um which is really weird if you think about it, because I don't know why you would actually want to have a mental health condition.
1: <laughs> it's mm.
0: like a really weird thing to just be like, oh, yeah, I've got depression. Like, no, I, I'd quite happily not have it.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I think you're right, though, because I definitely think like my generation and older. I think there would really be a bit of a stigma thing to be looking down on younger people now, saying that they have this or have that more. But the the, the reason for that is is because generations now are feel more comfortable to actually talk about mm. these things, and therefore it is more. It's not that it's more prevalent; it's just that it's been acknowledged more than it used to. Whereas yeah. everyone was suffering in silence before, but it now that that will be a thing where you know older generations would there will always be that slight the view of somebody kinda going, Oh yeah, here comes, you know, young cool hipster type with their they've got this going on, they've got this going on. And actually it's like that's just a defence mechanism because (laughs) everyone from the older generation never talked about these things and probably suffered from these things and, you know, never got them diagnosed or whatever.
0: Yeah, I just think about all those people that kind of suffered in silence really. And it's really difficult to sort of think about that because i think in many ways we are a lot more fortunate now because it is being understood a lot more and even like employers are paying more attention to it and different things like that which is really positive um Mm. so like it's come a long way but there's still a long way to go i think
1: oh yeah Yeah. especially in you know some jobs that do still look down on people that Mm. do have mental illness thinking Mm. that they won't do the job correctly or you know kind of old institutions that still look down on that i i hope like i hope in the next 10 20 years everyone feels the need to you know get help if they need help and even the older generations are like okay well i see my kid doing this maybe this Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe there's Mm -hmm. something to this this therapy thing um so yeah totally
2: for sure Gosh. Well well, cheers, cheers Bethany, and cheers yeah, Carmen. Thank
0: you. That's okay. Can I give a shout out to a few people? You
2: can. You go for it. You go for okay. it.
0: Okay. Um, so one company, I think it's more local to me, but I'm sure there's a really similar around the UK at least. Um, they're called iTalk, and they basically offer um CBT, which personally I've never really found helpful for me, but they also offer More like counselling and different things as well. And also mind, as I mentioned earlier, they've been like really, really helpful to me as well. And also I kind of wanted to flag how I mentioned about depression earlier, having like all the different types. Like with anxiety, there's so many types of anxiety which I never used to kind of realize. Like with the lockdowns and stuff, I realised how bad my social anxiety was. Like I'd be invited to group meetups with friends and I'd not want to go at all and I'd literally force myself out of the house and just being really awkward in social situations and actually not realising it's all because of my anxiety and kind of like panicking about certain things and there's like links with like sort of OCD slightly as well if you have anxiety and obviously like those intrusive thoughts that you can have so there's just so much about these two areas that but I just wanted to say as well actually Um, earlier when Cameron asked the question about when I was younger and stuff one thing that I look back on um, a lot is kind of I was ill quite a lot when I was younger but I look back now and I think it's because of my anxiety like now I know the difference between when I'm actually ill and my anxiety because they they feel different But when I was younger, I'd get the worst stomach aches and the worst headaches and, like, all of these certain things. And I would literally almost, like, it was like my body was making me ill, but I wasn't ill, if you know what I mean. So, like, I feel like I've learned so many things from that time until now. And I look back and I'm like, everything's related to anxiety. (laughs) But, yeah, (laughs) that's basically it, really. Um, I also think I don't know if you're like this Cameron but with dyslexia I think that often links with anxiety like they almost go together because you there's that self-doubt and there's that like lack of confidence and not thinking you're like worth things
1: and it sucks too because it's like you you have that anxiety of I can't do it and then you like really can't do it because you can't read <laughs> so it's like oh no it's, it's a double whammy <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's true I actually killed <laughs> <It's true. laughs> so yeah it's like two things working against you and it's like then you have to have your third person be like okay guys like calm down now yeah. like let's just do this let's read that and I think you know like what you said like school's hard especially like the elementary school the high school stuff like that where you're put into situations where everyone's supposed to excel. And if you don't excel, then you're an outcast and bringing that anxiety then into your adulthood of like, you know, unworthiness or that depression is, it's hard. So it's like, it's really great that you're, you know, working on it now and and realizing, you know, realizing what, how those things when you've grown up could affect you into your adulthood. So Thank you so much for sharing your story, Bethany.
0: Oh, no, that's fine. If it helps just one person, I think it's like worth it, to be honest. And just like Mm -hmm. finding someone you can talk to, like, and also knowing that you're not alone. I think that's a really big thing. And it's really important when you're feeling down and things that there is always going to be someone out there you can talk to, whether it be a friend, a family member, or like, a charity like there's so many different options out there so just never feel that you're alone Super. thank you for listening
1: to the disability podcast
2: we'll be back next time for the benefit of the listeners i think i stood in some fox turd before i came in so i'm (laughs) gonna go and see if i can sort out this horrible smell okay we'll see you next time bye
1: (laughs) bye (laughs)